Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road, our brand new name. I'm so excited as we enter this new season to have entrepreneurs and founders that are really going to inspire you guys to consider your possibilities in this new season of your life. And this particular entrepreneur is no exception. In fact, she is somebody who has inspired me. And in listening to her backstory and how she came to be the CEO of this brand that you're going to hear all about. You too will be very inspired. Stacy London, welcome to Liberty Road. Thank you so much, Netta. I'm so happy to be here. It's just great to have you. I'm fangirling a little bit. I'm going to try and stay focused here. So tell us a little bit. I mean, most of us know you from television and from What Not to Wear. Yes. I'm sure that comes as no surprise to you. Um, People probably stop you on the street all the time and ask you if their outfit's okay. They still do, which is only funny because the show premiered in 2022. The show will have premiered uh, 20 years ago and ended 10 years ago. And yet I, do, I oh still gosh. get people stop me, stopping me on the street. I still get people asking me, uh, you know, tell me, tell me if you hate what I'm wearing or <laughs> rip me to shreds or uh, do you like this? You know, whatever those questions are. And, and I find that incredibly endearing. And I think it says a lot about what the show was able to do. Yeah. Personally, the only thing is like, you know, style is always going to be in my DNA. I've been doing, yeah. I've been involved in style in one way or another since I was 19 years old. At around, let's say, 47, 48, I did, in fact, start to feel a little bit like, I don't want to tell you anymore that a belt defines your waist, or I don't want to tell you anymore that pointy toe shoes elongate your leg line, or that a blazer is really, you know, your best investment. It's sort of like if you are not still watching the repeats that are in 26 countries, you or you haven't read any of my books. You just, you don't need me anymore to tell you those things. Yeah. When I think about it now, I realize that clothes never had anything to do with the show. You know, they were a vehicle for what they mm. could do for a person. The way that we could see ourselves differently and believe something differently about ourselves. And really always that had to do with self-esteem and self-awareness and self-acceptance. And for me... While I'm always grateful for that show and I will always be grateful for the platform that it has afforded me, it's also sort of stymied me in some ways from doing other things because that's what I'm known for. And generally speaking, we have a hard time with people who become multi-hyphenates if we know them for something specific, right? We never consider the idea that perhaps our lives are no longer linear you know, this this move from the industrial revolution to the technological revolution has changed everything about the way that we learn, the way that we work, the way that we eat, the way that we date. All of these things have changed. I, you know, have always wanted to be involved in helping with community that is either in middle age 
or is coming to menopause surgically or medically or even in a gender non-binary fashion because I had such a difficult experience in, in perimenopause. And the two big things for me there were a loss of identity. I don't look like myself anymore. I don't feel like myself anymore. And a loss of agency because I didn't know what to do about it because I didn't really know what was happening to me. So a lot of the quote unquote midlife crisis that I think that certainly women coming to menopause chronologically between 40 and 60 experience is really twofold, right? It's what's going on culturally. This idea that, you know, you're sort of past your expiration date, you know, certainly by 45, you know, maybe 50. And that, you know, culturally you become somewhat irrelevant. Sociologically, you become irrelevant. There's no advertising directed at you. There's no media directed at you. And this sense that you are physically, physiologically changing in a way that reinforces the idea that you're culturally irrelevant because you're not what you used to look like or you don't feel like yourself. And more than one thing can be true at the same time. I don't know if you can see, my friend Jenna Arnold gave this to me. It says, and, right? There are many things that can be true at the same time. Yeah. So this idea that at the same time, you know, this age group can feel completely wise based on their experience, that they can feel healthier and wealthier than, you know, previous generations felt does not sort of exclude the idea that we could feel this loss of identity and this loss of agency. So when COVID happened, my first reaction was, oh God, phew, right? I mean, before the darkness and before we understood how serious this was and all of the death, you know, and collective grief that we were going to experience, I really saw it as this opportunity to pause, to figure out A, what was happening with me physiologically and B, like, what did I want for my life? What did I want for my life aside from what not to wear? How do I play to the strengths that I know that I have without the same medium that I'm used to using them in? And that was when I really started to think about this company, now State of Menopause, which was a brand at another company that I was asked to beta test. And I loved the products and I thought they were amazing, but I was absolutely the most noisy beta tester. I was complaining all the time about what didn't work or what wasn't the right texture or I hated the color of the packaging. And when that parent company decided they were no longer going to make brands, which they were really essentially a brand machine for different white spaces in the market, they came to me and they said, we think you should run this. You know, we think that you have a vision and a passion for this brand in a way that we haven't seen in other beta testers or really anybody else in the market. And one of the reasons that I decided to take this on was one, I wanted to turn my midlife crisis, my existential crisis about what my life was meant to look like into a midlife renaissance. And really the only Love way to that. be able to do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> the only way to be able to do that is to reassess what your strengths are, where you, you see your weaknesses or your flaws, maybe that's what you want to call them, and turn them all into strengths, turn them all into the best things that they can possibly be. And for me, being radically transparent about perimenopause was a unique opportunity for somebody in the public eye to be speaking about this with, you know, no internalized shame, which one, I also had to get over because I think we are the last generation that is going to experience that kind of shame around 
certainly uh, the female lifespan of health, right? Yeah. You know, men don't seem to have any shame about this, yeah. but certainly through a patriarchal lens, we are shamed for puberty. We are shamed for pregnancy, postpartum, infertility, of course, menopause. Menopause is the final frontier, right? Then you're just an old crone and you have nothing, you know, of value to offer. To offer. Yeah. But certainly for me, to take what is difficult and hard and make that something that I can help innovate for that darkness, that to me was not only a challenge that I wanted to take on, I felt it was a necessary challenge because certainly 40 to 60 is where we start to feel that sense of irrelevancy, that sense that can actually make us feel incredibly depressed, incredibly anxious, whether you're you know experiencing that through hormones or you know externally. And what did I want to do? What is my seed of truth? What is the kernel that has carried me through my entire life? It hasn't been fashion and style. It has been about those things I already mentioned, self-esteem, self-acceptance, yeah. self-awareness, and proactivity. How do we change what we don't like? How do we change what we don't feel fits us anymore, literally and figuratively? And so I thought, oh my God, here is a population, by the way, in 36 months, 1 billion people will be in menopause. The needs of a community that is simply not being met, 12% of the population has issues around this experience and nobody is really talking to it, addressing it and figuring out what it needs to look like. So, you know, given the opportunity and certainly luckily enough, and I realize very much that I had the privilege of being able to acquire the company. Not everybody has that, but that certainly doesn't mean you can't start one. I decided to become a CEO. Now, I say I decided because nobody is born a CEO and all of the things that I don't know about this company, I have certainly either tried to make up with conviction or recognizing that you have to say, I don't know when I don't know and make sure that you surround yourself with smarter people, certainly for a pivot as drastic as this one. Yeah. Well, there's a few things that you've said that I find interesting because in the work that I've done in working with entrepreneurs in working with women who are fulfilling some sort of dream with whatever the venture it can be. Again, I've said this time and time again, uh, writing a book, launching their own platform of some sort of content, as well as for-profit businesses and nonprofit. The same thing that you said about clothing, I have found to be the case, or about style, I should say, uh, with entrepreneurship, that often it's a vehicle for getting to know oneself, for mm. getting to realize oneself. And it's interesting to me that you're coming at it from that lens, and yet it'll be interesting to fast forward five years from now and talk to you again about what this vehicle did for you. Mm. Now, as a product, it's going to do so much for so many women and for many of the reasons that you've already mentioned, like the fact that there's even voice given to this, the fact that you're behind that voice the fact that you're choosing to put yourself in a situation where you've pivoted from being one thing into another thing. And you've said, this is exactly the time in life when I should do this. Given the subject matter, mm. that's a natural sort of fit. But also I would say outside of that, that you recognized in yourself, there's something more here, your necklace representing that. There's there's Stacy and there's Stacy. Mm -hmm. There's former Stacy and there's future Stacy. And then there's the Stacy that has a story to tell and in telling that story becomes an advocate for others. But more than that becomes somebody who is 
behind the scenes, building the product, testing the product, understanding what the market needs and wants, probably needs more than wants because mm. I think we don't even know what we don't know. We right? don't know what this we don't a, know. This is a new frontier. Right. And also, look, you know, there is very funny because I have friends who are like, you went from something so glamorous to something so icky, <laughs> you know, like, or unsexy. And first of all, I'm like, I, you know, being sexy was never actually a priority for me, but it certainly isn't now. And that kind of objectification, when I think about women thinking about this topic makes me absolutely insane. But you're absolutely right in terms of this idea that, you know, again, the and, right? There is the former Stacy, and all of the things about her that I still believe to be true about current Stacy. then I take those with me. But there are parts of yourself that kind of die off along the way. Mm. Or in other words, there are parts of yourself that are constantly having rebirths. And this idea that we have to be static, that we can't actually understand the evolution that we have at every stage of life, really holds us back from being the most vibrant, interesting version of ourselves that we could be now. And I think that a lot of women always, you know, I hear this a lot, think that it's too late. It's too late. Well, I would say that were that were true. If you know you had to retire at sixty five, if you were you know mandatory retirement, and you go and you know live in Florida and play shuffleboard until you die, like that was the old way. That's how we thought about yeah. our trajectory in life, right? You went to school, maybe you got married, yet maybe you had some kids, you got a good job, then you got a better job, then you get a corner office, then you move to Florida and you die, like that doesn't exist for us anymore. There is no linear path. We, you know, it's not just a winding road. There are hard rights and hard lefts, and we have so many more options than we ever thought were possible for us. This is a new uh, opportunity for a new iteration of yourself. And that future self is still going to have parts of your current self and part of your past self, but you, you cannot let go and be, you know, become who you want to be or who you are on a trajectory to become without saying goodbye to things about your past. I've heard this thing before where somebody says, imagine yourself on the on a ladder. Mm. And if you're trying to take your past self with you, it's likely to pull you off the ladder. Mm. As much as you're trying to bring it up to you, the reality is it will it will weigh you down. And that's exactly what you're describing, shedding this. Yeah, because I think that's exactly the point. It's a great uh, metaphor because the idea is, look, it's going to be a lot harder to get up anything, a ladder, a rock. What I know that I needed was a way to say goodbye without pain to what was no longer mine to have. Mm. And that takes, there is a grieving process around that. And certainly there is a grieving process in menopause around a lot of things, right? Around the, the, the body that all of a sudden doesn't look the way that it used to, no matter how hard you try. There are difficulties, obviously, with mood, uh, sleep, night sweats, hot flashes. You know, I, I mean, I had all of it. The brain fog I still have. All of these things can make you feel so uncomfortable and disrupt the quality of your life so much that it is very hard to see the positive. It is very hard to kind of remain in a place of self-confidence when physiologically and culturally everything is doing what it can to break you down, right? Yeah. So this idea that you do have to have a grieving process and you do have to say goodbye before this next iteration of yourself, right? That's what rebirth is. It's not a painless process. 
you know, when we think about what a pivot looks like, how hard that can be, how hard it is to let go of who we were, I don't want to minimize that in any way. This took until I was 51 to even consider it. I spent six years kind of in existential crisis about what I wanted to do, why I didn't feel like myself. I had no way to connect the dots. My GP said, it's menopause, you'll get through it. My gynecologist said, use it or lose it. And I was like, use it or lose it. What are you talking about? I have no libido. Like, I'm basically like, if you touch me, I'll kill you. And you're telling me to use it or lose it. (laughs) Lose what? Where does it go? You know, all of these things became issues for me that I was not getting any answers about. And it wasn't until I became a beta tester for State Of, which started in skincare, just because it's a great entry point. It's a great price point, And it's also something that you can readily see a reaction to, right? You want more hydrated skin? Let's help you do that at this stage of your life. So to me, the entry point was really smart. But it was so short-sighted in what is actually needed, which really doesn't exist in the world yet, which is a menopause vertical, a menopause ecosystem. And when Mm. I think about that, I really had to think very very deeply about what that looks like in terms of what is our mission. Luckily for people who are experiencing this now, there's the Electra Health 21st Century Guide to Menopause, which lists the 34 common symptoms of menopause in alphabetical order, which I find very helpful, and ways in which to deal with them. So what I would say my game plan is, if I was to to, to talk about what I had to think so deeply about, was one is destigmatization. And that is really, I think Gen X is the last generation that is really going to struggle with the stigma of age and menopause. I do. I really believe that. So how do we get the current consumer to think about to destigmatize? I guess the next part of this would be contextualizing. And what I mean by contextualizing is, yes, exactly what, where does menopause fall when we are looking at the lifespan of a woman's health? And how do we do that without reducing her worth to her reproductive function? This idea that we're kind of past our prime really negates any of the contributions that anyone, any woman has made, you know, over 50 or any non-binary person has made over 50 years old. Like it's ridiculous, right? And then, you know, we talk about normalizing this conversation. It's not just to have the, the conversation with your doctor. It's knowing what to ask your doctor. It's being your own advocate. It's knowing how to talk about this stage of life to your friends, to your family, to create the support system that you may need. And then it is about optimizing that conversation. What does optimization mean? Optimization means giving you alternatives, right? It's sort of what I would say, what we did on what not to wear. We optimized your style by saying, hey, this isn't working for you. Let's give you an alternative, right? And that's what optimization is about, certainly at State of Menopause and the company that I'm trying to build. How do we create product that helps you in the moment, that is about cute, you know, issue relief? And I hate using the word symptomatic relief because, again, menopause is not a disease, even though the FDA does classify it as one. Wow. And it is, that is, that is legislation that I know I'm going to have to take on. But in the meantime, we do have to, again, normalize, optimize this transition, not only in long-term education and support, but in immediate gratification of a product that works for each issue you may be facing. Now, not everybody gets 34 symptoms of menopause, but these are the most common. How long you're going to have them, how severe they're going to be, is all based on bio-individuality. Yeah. So it's interesting to 
hear you talk because if you go to State Of, you see these products, which we have to tell our audience what these products actually are yes, so that they know. But in hearing you talk about this ecosystem that you want to build and in hearing your passion about all these things, including the process you just walked us through, there's so much more that State Of can be, can build, can engage Mm -hmm. in than what we see currently in your kind of infancy. But we need to tell our audience, what are the products that right now they can access? Yes. So on stateofmenopause.com, you can access our skincare and our uh, supplements. And some of these, we put them into categories for a reason. So some are for cooling. So we do have a cooling spray that also is a toner. We have a cooling gel facial moisturizer that is specifically for people who don't like heavy creams, who may have problems with cystic acne and clogged pores, which is a big thing that happens in menopause. It's like certain things that you had in puberty are going to happen all over again. And in hydration, we have a very rich facial moisturizer, a very rich body moisturizer, and my favorite product of all time, which is our face oil, which I have tried every expensive face oil on the market. I've never found a better product than ours. Then we have um, a category called State of Rest and Renew, right? Which is really about rejuvenation. It's a CBD oil that moisturizes the skin for the body. But at the same time, you know, we understand there are other properties of CBD and other oils that are mixed with our CBD in order to you know, promote a sense of calm and also just to be like a self-care treat and maybe even using my Arnica hand cream, our Arnica hand cream, it's not mine, that is for you know, mild joint and muscle fatigue pain as well as being just a dope hand cream. And then we have um, a category called State of Strength, which is really right now pretty exciting because we are going to launch some products that are going into that category. But what we really have is our biotin, right? Which is about strengthening your hair and your nails and your skin. We also have evening primrose, which is healthy fatty acids, which have been proven to lessen the severity of hot flashes and the uh, frequency of hot flashes. And then we also have a supplement that's turmeric, which is a great anti-inflammatory. And one thing that I would say about that is that there are a lot of things that happen in menopause that, again feel like they're simply caused by inflammation, both in terms of joint pain, muscle fatigue, things like that. But also just in there can be gastrointestinal problems, gut health, things like that, that turmeric really does help with. So those are our product offerings right now. Oh, I forgot. We also have a, 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 I'm like, what do we have? What else do we have? We have a really dope hydrogel face mask. And the reason that I love it so much is, again, we utilize water in the best way possible, right? We bind it to things like algae and Japanese fireweed and things that help promote a calm, calmness in the skin, but also really hydrate. And that's like my 20 minutes of Zen. I I recommend getting in the bath with the lavender bath salts, putting on the face mask and, and some good music, maybe some Harry Styles and like, you know, taking care of yourself. These are things that I have personal experience with. And I want to be able to share that experience, not just for uh, monetary gain, but because when you see the needs of this massive community, you have to be able to help. Yeah. And the 34, I just want to get this all in the show notes because I know listeners are going to be like, what are those 34 symptoms that I should be watching out for? Can we get that all on state of? 
Do you have that? Uh, no, we don't list all of the 34 okay. symptoms. We tell you if you want to shop by, for our yeah. products, you can shop either by product or by concern. And the concerns that come up are some of the issues. Now, the reason we don't list all 34 is because we're not solving for all 34 yeah. yet. Yeah. And I would not put ourselves in a position where you could look up night sweats and not have a solution, sure. right? To me, that's false advertising. So I always recommend going to Electra Health, 21st Century Guide to Menopause. It's at electrahealth.com. And that's a really good primer that I'll be honest with you, I wish I'd had at 47. It would have really explained to me how to connect the dots, what I should be looking out for, and why what I was experiencing really did feel like both a physical and a mental health crisis. My brain was like working overtime to come up with answers for what, what I was going through. And all I could think of was my spine surgery in 2016, which was like physically traumatic, and the death of my father in November of 2018, mm -hmm. which was emotionally traumatic. And I thought, I am experiencing all kinds of trauma and grief, and my body is you know, experiencing it or processing it in this way. When frankly, those two events probably amplified everything that was already going to happen to me in perimenopause. But I had no framework for understanding that. As you talk about this and our listeners who really are made up of people who are in growth mode themselves mm. as female founders, or they're in sort of this what's next for me considering their possibilities mode. And you've talked about your process and, and defined how you went through that and, and who you wanted to serve and how you wanted to serve them. And then you've also talked about this idea of there is a stigma that we want to get rid of. And there, so there's this activity, this movement that we're creating, mm. as well as fulfilling the gap, right? And so as people are listening, I think no matter what it is they're looking to do, they can take away, based on what you've just shared, that there are two ways that you've approached this. And there are, there are lots and lots of ways to skin a cat. But you basically have said, look, I've identified the problem and I'm going to help to alleviate the parts of the problem that are coming from our own minds and mm. the parts of the problem that are socialized. And then I'm also going to help to alleviate those problems in very practical ways. Um, you also talked about that you needed people to trust the brand. And you, I can't, I mean, honestly, what an advocate, somebody who absolutely, it's not just the bottom line, which many CEOs are, are focused on, but you seem to, Stacey, really understand and are passionate about this world that you want to impact. And I think that's the other takeaway for us. Like, where do you want to have an impact and make sure you have all the information, the fact that you understand that the water needs to be attached to the algae. And I mean, it's amazing. And I well, think yeah, but gosh, let me tell all you, of us could do that. Of course. Like now, if I never believed in the theory of neuroplasticity, I certainly do now because at the age of 52 <laughs> in this last year, I have learned more than I learned in the last 20. And that a little bit about what you were saying. As a CEO, of course, I'm worried about the bottom line. Let's, you know, I want to get that out of the way. Yeah. What I lack in sort of background or, you know, provenance in terms of like, I don't have an MBA or, you know, I don't know that much about tech or e-com or all the things that I've had to learn, plus ingredients about skincare or what is FDA regulated and what isn't and all of that stuff. That doesn't matter to me as much as what I make up for in conviction. Mm. Menopause is a renewable market, right? 52% of the population, we are going to all go through some version of it. Um, 
So it was about a societal need. It was about understanding that there is white space that it needs to be sort of filled in. I realized that this was a mission for me. And so now, when even when I think about this pivot, even when I thought about the company, I was still looking at it from this personal perspective, right? From my, from my experience comes, from any personal experience comes the universal, right? That's, that's actually how we relate to each other. When we share our own stories, that's how people relate. Right. I can tell you there are going to be 1 billion women in menopause in 36 months. I can't tell you how they're each going to experience it. I can tell you what I've been through. And maybe that will help you come to terms with what you're going through or at least begin to process what you're going through. I, sure. can, I can share with you like I would, you know, share over a cup of coffee. I also think that as women are coming into these spaces, there's a finessing. There is a, and I don't want to say softer because it sounds like it minimizes it. What I mean by softer, it takes off the hard edges of seeing things as black and white. Agreed. And you see w- when women are at the helm of certain things, whether it's the way we fund projects, that we're looking for things that are mission-driven, that we're looking for brands that are beyond the bottom line, have a, a multiple bottom line. How is it impacting the world? There's more, it's, it's more than there are more women that are able to become entrepreneurs. It's the need that the world has for these women to rise up and bring their products, bring their services into the space because it expands the way we look Mm. at the world, the way we consume, the way we engage and interact with one another. And you're seeing more and more and more of that by more women who are at the helm, who are taking on CEO roles at the corporate level and CEO roles as female founders of our of our own startups. Now, I want to get through these. I have six questions for you that okay. I, I know. And I know yes. that you want to ask them, but I just, I really, I have to just jump yeah, in and say, tell me. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that women are much more attuned to the idea of gray area instead of black and white. Yep. I also think that, again, you know, we, we can be more empathetic. This idea that we are able to see things differently, mm. exactly what you're talking about, is why it's so important that more women recognize their own power and yes. recognize their ability to to lead, to govern, whatever that looks like. Because I do believe we we are talking about systemic dismantling the same way we've seen with race, with gender, with sexuality in the last year. You know, the last year yep. and a half, even with COVID, you see what kind of, you know, really systemic issues that we are talking about. And this is one that, you know, we kind of hide. Ageism is a thing. And this, uh, this, this can't do attitude that we have at a certain age, we have to break out of this mold. We have to break out of that system of thinking. Well, you just teed off this next question. Oh, there and we'll you try go. It, we'll try and get through these quickly. But what would you say to a woman who just thinks it's too late, who who believes that she's hit 40 or 50? And I think that depends on where you live in the country and in the world. I'm in LA, 53 feels like for my sister who lives in Ohio, like 45 felt. So what would you say to her about launching something, starting something at 40 years old or older when she feels like, well, what else do I have to offer? I'm all done. Mm. Well, first I would say, you know, if anybody said to me, I'm done, I'm all done, I have nothing to offer, I would definitely say bullshit. Like that's the first thing I would say. But then I would also say, look, you know, one, you have to secure your financial well-being. 
you can't do something new unless yes. you know that there's some way for you to be able to do this and still live, right? I mean, that that's the most important thing. And then I really want you to think about, like, again, what, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? What are you building and what is the reason for building it? What is your key differentiator? Not just in terms of the market. What makes it different because of you? What is it that you're looking for to create in the world that didn't exist before or doesn't exist well enough? What is it that your real, you know, sort of not just your core competencies, but what is the company that you want to create? What's its core competency? And take all the time in the world that you want to think about that before you take something Mm. on. You are not done. You're not done now. You're not going to be done at 60. You're not going to be done at 70. I just went to a global wellness summit where they're like, when you're 90, you're going to, you're going to feel 50. That's how medicine is, is moving. All right. That's how the medical community is looking at it. If you're going to feel young for a long time, you're going to have a lot longer that you are able to work if you want to. And most importantly, I would think about what makes you special. Yeah. Right. You are made up of billions and billions and billions of atoms and molecules that no two people share. You are unique in every possible way in the universe. What is special about what you have to offer? Also, I think the recognition that you could try a bunch of different things for the next 10 years. Not all of them will work. Maybe most of them will fail. But I think it's because we need to stop thinking of this stage of life as success or failure. It's all experience. Mm. And really, Mm. with your knowledge and with your expertise at this age, you should really take into account that you don't need to live a life where you are publicly recognized for doing something great. You just have to feel like you did something great. And, And people have asked me, you know, all year since I launched in April, what if it doesn't work? What if you can't get out of this box? What if nobody wants to talk about menopause? What if the company fails? And my response is always, there is no such thing as failure. If this company doesn't last, if it doesn't, you know, continue, well, then I will have kicked the can down the road for somebody else to get through the door. Absolutely. And that to me is just as important as, you know, having a successful company. In this conversation alone, you have kicked the can. And I think many people who will have listened to it will start to, she'll hear herself in this, Mm -hmm. whether it's in that she is actually approaching menopause or in menopause or that she's ignited by what you've done, which is to start something, to to take a hard right and to leave a very successful past where it belongs yeah. in the past and move forward and exercise another part of, of Stacy. You also talked about it in a, as I was doing my Stacy London research, I thought it was interesting to hear you say how important it was to have friends at your age. Why, why yeah. was that? Because I think I was starting to lose my identity. And the fact is when you surround yourself constantly, right, with younger people, and part of that was because, look, I didn't get married. I didn't have children. I didn't take the traditional path that a lot of friends my age did because, you know, as much as I love my friends, like I'm not sure that I care so much about Karen's gymnastics, <laughs> you know, competition. <laughs> yeah. And I don't feel like I need to be there. Even though I love those kids, right? You yeah. Know, even though I love them, I just, I don't feel like that's how I relate to people anymore. And so literally, you know, kind of by necessity, my friends who could go out on a Tuesday night and have a cocktail, you know, that pool in my age group got, you know, less yeah. and less. And the pool of people who were much younger than me got bigger and bigger. The problem with being around people who were solely younger than me was that I started to feel this kind of FOMO. 
the sense of, wow, I am done. I have nothing to offer. All these kids are kids. They're not kids. You know, they're grownups. They're in their 30s. But, you know, their life is in front of them. And mine is sort of over, was the Mm. overwhelming feeling being around people who had incredible job opportunities, who were just starting to think about getting married or have kids. It's like that, that felt, um, like I put myself in the middle of another generation only to feel completely isolated. And that's not the fault of my friends. That's just the fact that I couldn't keep my perspective as, you know, a wiser, older woman, because I was inundated by people who are so smart when it comes to being digitally native and, and, and so smart when it comes to media, advertising. I mean, everything you can think of that was never taught to me. Yeah. And I felt so out of my depth that the only way to write that ship was to be around people my age who, one, have struggled with the same kind of feelings or, two, struggle with the same kind of, you know, I don't want to say ignorance, but the fact that, you know, we just simply don't have the knowledge around a lot of stuff that, yeah. you know, whiz kids at 32 do. And and it was really important to be able to remind myself that there there is so much importance in having friendships of all ages. So that multi-generational thing still holds true for me. If you are solely surrounding yourself with one age group, I think it's like having blinders on and you can't see a larger kind of vision of the world. And it's not that those friendships aren't deep and meaningful. Sure. But again, it was a sense of riding the ship, of knowing, you know, my tribe has to include women my age and the struggles that they are going through. You said something, again, as I was doing my research, that expectation is the death of possibility, yes. which I loved. Tell me what that means to you. And the reason I wanted to ask that question is so many of us, so many of our listeners are entering this this season of expectation. Mm. And I have my own personal feelings about what I think that meant for me, but I wanted you to describe what is it about that that's so important? Why did you say that? And why do you think it's a distraction? Well, I think it's a distraction because the minute you decide something in your head has to look a certain way, you um, negate the possibility of any other way that it could look. I mean, that's that's just the bottom line of it. And instead of thinking about you know, I almost gamify what I do now, right? The idea isn't to see what's going to be at the end of, you know, climbing up the mountain. It's like, where do I need to put my foot next to climb a little higher? And this idea of not worrying about what's at the top of the mountain, not worrying about what's on the other side of the mountain, I'm not there yet. And the idea, I mean, of course, you always want a vision on the horizon, right? The horizon is where you're headed. But the day-to-day can't be about, I didn't do this fast enough. I'm not good enough. I, I I should have done this or this should have happened. And that is all expectation. And the minute you're like, I'm going to come up with an idea that is like going to change the world, maybe you will, maybe you won't. Is that expectation helping you or hindering you mm. into getting started, right? A lot of times what happens with us is that fear overtakes us the minute we think that expectation, our expectation is the only outcome that is your version of success. It stops us from really taking that step. Yeah, I love this idea of gamify, and you need to somehow incorporate that into your social media and just keep teaching us how to gamify these, (laughs) the, the way that we approach entrepreneurship. Because I honestly think if we can take that approach, we can allow more of ourselves 
to be exposed in that because we're not afraid of like, there's one way to do it. If we're like, wait a minute, this is my way to do this. One, more people will gravitate towards that because that's a fresh perspective when we bring ourselves. But when we think about it that way, gamifying it, we just don't put that much weight into, let me try something. And if it fails, it fails. Exactly. And if you think about a video game, yeah. right? How many times can you die? Like you usually get like, I don't know, three chances yeah. to seven yeah. chances. You still get to reboot the game, yeah. kids. So you can die as many times <laughs> as you right. want, right? So that idea that you are constantly making mistakes, learn from those yeah. mistakes. You don't have to consider them failures. They're just learning opportunities. They are teachable moments. And believe me, in this last year, I get a teachable moment a day, a day right? <laughs> Which is another way of saying, like, I made a mistake or I misjudged something but it's a teachable moment. Yeah. I take that with me into whatever whatever I have to do next. I wanted to ask you, what do you feel like you want to sort of leave our listeners with in terms of perspective on launching a venture, perspective on having wisdom at this time uh, in their life? What is it that, you know, for women who want to launch or grow something, what do you want sort of your their, your last parting words? Like as they are having dinner tonight, they're like, I remember this conversation with Stacy, and she said... What do you what do you want them to know about it's not too late and you can launch and grow now? Yeah, my favorite red lipstick is the Nora's pencil mysterious red. Okay. Yes. Uh, no. <laughs> Aside from that, <laughs> the last thing that I'll say is look, be be clear. Mm. Okay. And the the great thing for me, and when I say like have clarity is maybe a better way to say it. I don't wish the pandemic to have ever happened. So I just want to be clear sure. about that. But I do think what the pandemic offered me that me personally, I can't speak for everybody, was this moment of clarity, was this moment of quiet. And you really need to sit down and get quiet with yourself in order to understand what your vision is, why it's important, and why you are compelled to do it. Mm -hmm. Because this idea of reinvention is becoming, uh, you know, sort of a commonplace word. And it's also because I think specifically Gen Xers are not taking aging lying down, right? We're like, yeah. hell no, we're still culturally <laughs> relevant. We have a lot to say, but don't do something for the wrong reason. Don't mm -hmm. do something because you think I've got to change my whole life. Nothing is working, right? For me, this was a step-by-step -step journey in self-discovery in order to be able to, again, take my strengths and put them towards something that I truly believe in wholeheartedly. And because you don't have to work with people you don't like anymore, because you don't have to take anybody's shit anymore, because this is what this age is so great about, right? We're out of fucks to give in a lot of respects. Yeah. Only do the things that you want to. Don't do them for external validation. Don't do them because you think they're going to be an absolute like certified success. <laughs> do them because this is what is going to bring you joy and purpose and a sense of fulfillment that you have not had control over before. That's what your pivot should be about. It should be yeah. wholeheartedly about what can bring you joy and something mission-driven that can bring joy, safety, a sense of purpose to the rest of your community. I love that. And you've you've done that. You've done that in this conversation and you've done that. It's great to even be following you on social media and to see how you've brought people along into your journey as CEO, yeah. but also into the growth of, of state of and the and the product and, and what you're doing. Okay, so before I let you go, we have something called our fast five. What's the number one trait an entrepreneur must possess? A thick skin. 
And then is there an app or a hack that you recommend to organize your day, something that you really rely on in business on a regular basis? I'm going to say Clavio and Looker. That's how we get oh. um, our email set up. That's how we deal with mining data that we can use, again, in the best way for to serve our consumer base. So those are two of my favorites. Okay. We'll list all of those in the show notes. And then why do you think a woman should launch after 40? Because I think it's a way of redefining the narrative, both culturally and personally, for what we are able to accomplish. So where women can and can and should innovate, we must. We must. And part of that innovation is going to come from women over 40 redefining what aging looks like and what you can do as you age looks like. Are you a morning or night person? I'm taking a personal poll here. God, I wish I could say neither or both, but um, I guess I'm really both because I stay up till super late at night and I get up really early in the morning. Welcome to menopausal insomnia. Um, (laughs) I sleep four to five hours a night if I'm lucky. So I would say my my best hours are actually late or early. It's when my best ideas come to me. Uh, So I always have to keep a pad or a phone or something where I can take notes really quickly by my bed. And then last question. So you know this podcast is called Liberty Road and everything that we're doing here is to liberate women to, to launch their ventures and to grow their ventures and liberate those dreams. How have you been liberated through State Of? Oh my gosh. That's actually a really hard question. I feel liberated to talk about things that have, you know, heretofore been stigmatized. Mm -hmm. You know, I have been an advocate for mental health. I have been an advocate for, you know, self-confidence and self-awareness and and certainly raising, you know, being able to raise your own self-esteem. But that's what this company has done for me. It has invigorated me and energized me in a way that for a long time I didn't think was possible that I didn't think I was going to have the opportunity to feel again. And so the one thing that I will say is that starting anything, starting something already gives you an incredible sense of empowerment. And whether or not that is like starting your own company or starting a new exercise regime or starting to get toxic people out of your life, whatever that looks like, it's not just about entrepreneurship. It is about willing to be proactive at this stage of life and knowing that whatever happens, it's just like icing on the cake. We didn't ever have this 40 years to play with in history before now. So let's go use it. Yeah. Let's go use it and do something great. Yeah. Amen. 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 Stacy London, thank you for making time for us. Liberty listeners, thank you guys for sharing this hour with us. We will have all of the goods and uh, tips and resources that Stacy shared in the show notes so you can check those out. And until next week, we'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty Road is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham, and music by Jordan Flower.